Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Joining us now, Dr. Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. Dennis, welcome to Money FM. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, can you hear me? Am I loud and clear? Uh, I can. I can hear you. It's oh, great. great. Thanks. So, yeah, we, ju- we just had uh, the APEC leaders meeting just last Friday, and the ministers also met uh, on Monday. And one of the things that they agreed on is to work together to uh, essentially combat the COVID-19 pandemic and to find ways to facilitate greater trade, in the, particularly in the central goods. We're talking about medical supplies, as well as uh, certain types of food staples, reducing trade barriers, uh, if they can, also to try to reduce some of these tariffs on some of these essential goods. So I think this is some of the things that they, they're trying to do. And we know that's important, partly because Trade has contracted quite dramatically this year, both exports and imports. And I mean, we're looking at um, the APEC region contracting by about 2.5% this year. That's about, in terms of output losses, about 1.8 trillion US dollars. If you look at unemployment, we're looking at over 74 million people are looking for work. So it wow. is pretty, pretty, pretty uh, dramatic uh, this year. Dennis, it is, it is, as you rightly mentioned, such a traumatic year. It follows 2019, where we had the US-China trade war, which didn't do anybody any favors across the region, obviously. And and now with COVID-19 and, and all of the turmoil that that has brought uh, on the region, do you sense that there is a, a shared sense of resolve among the APEC leaders to come together to really try to figure out what these solutions should look like in a time of unprecedented challenges? I think they do. I mean, we, we have to realize that this is both a public health crisis as well as an economic crisis. Mm. Practically all the economies are suffering from uh, recession as well as uh, uh, businesses being shut down and affecting everyone uh, in terms of uh, their daily life. So if you look at the the leader's statement, there are a number of initiatives that they're trying to work on, including, for example, uh, looking at a digital platform for information sharing, Mm. uh, sharing of health data, some of the measures they're taking, like contact tracing, and looking at best practices. That's what we're good at, right? Seeing who has uh, has been successful in terms of uh, containing the pandemic and whether we can learn from each other. So some of the things, besides trade, of course, these are some of the things that we can do to share information with each other. Do do you sense that there is a a sense of urgency? Uh, You know, as you well know, with many of the multilateral organizations, sometimes the pace of change is not as fast as people would like it to to occur. Uh, Do you sense that there is a different sense of timeline uh, to enact some of these initiatives to get people together based on the severity of the economic situation we're in now? I think there is a greater sense of urgency. It's it's telling, right? Everyone is basically economically suffering from from this pandemic. And so I think because of that, I think there is a greater sense of urgency to work together. So I think that's uh, one. And two, I mean, APAC is not a legal binding forum. So it makes things a lot easier, right? So uh, they can work together on uh, new ideas and they can get it running in terms of initiatives a lot quicker than, say, uh, much more uh, legalistic or legally binding forums. So that's one of our benefits. Yeah, it was interesting. It was quite a big group this time. You had all 10 ASEAN members. China joined, Australia, Japan, South Korea, New Zealand, uh, all coming together to put uh, pen to paper on this, on these ideas and this concept. Uh, what does that say now that, that the gathering is actually expanding a little bit about the importance of countries coming together during these economic times? 
uh, well, for ASEAN, it's only seven out of ten uh, ASEAN members are part of APEC. Excuse me. But yeah, having said that, I think I think there there is this sense of urgency, both among developing and developed economies, to try to work together. And I, I mentioned to you earlier, one of the things that they can do is to look at a sort of a pandemic preparedness policy toolkit. At the individual economy level, they're doing something, but I mean, there is an advantage for all of them uh, pooling their resources together to see whether they can share uh, data as well as uh, other types of measures, including looking at vaccines, right? Sharing of information. Of, we know that there's uh, now a couple of vaccines that are beginning to be effective. What can be done for them to uh, look at issues of, the, of uh, distribution once there's a massive rollout of these vaccines? So these are some valuable information that they can share among themselves. Yeah. Were there any concrete steps or concrete outcomes to come out of this? Uh, X will be done by such and such a date, such and such a year. Anything specific that we can, you know, hang our hats on? Well, I think one of the things that they, they've, in fact, they're already la- uh, planning to launch very soon is a digital platform. And that, that digital platform is, is uh, uh, focusing on basically uh, COVID-19, uh, what are the measures that different economies are doing. And uh, it, it's that, that digital platform, I think, will be useful for all economies, whether you're, you're in, the, in the health sector or whether you're, you're a trade official, so that's something that's going to that uh, it's being rolled out pretty soon. That's one of the things that they're already starting to do. We're speaking with Dr. Dennis Hugh, director of the APEC Policy Support Unit, uh, getting us up to speed on the recent meeting of the APEC ministers uh, hosted. The virtual meeting was hosted by the Malaysians, Malaysian Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin. These discussions focused on combating the pandemic, as uh, as Dennis has just mentioned, and also the, the trade tensions that have been happening. An interesting Chinese president, uh, Xi Jinping, was there, and he said that he would favorably consider joining uh, the Comprehensive Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, the CPTPP. I want to make sure I get the acronym right. Was that a surprise to anybody, or what, what was the feeling when he indicated that he would look favorably on considering that? Well, we've heard it before it, uh, uh, being mentioned by certain Chinese officials, but I think this is uh, perhaps uh, quite an important announcement if they do plan to eventually join CPTPP. Yeah, I, I don't know whether you know, it's, it's a much higher quality type of free trade agreement compared to the one that was recently signed, the RCEP, which is uh, an ASEAN plus uh, five uh, uh, free trade agreement. Right. But it would, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal if they are able to join CPTPP because it's potentially this is uh, one of the world's largest free trade agreements. Yeah, very interesting. Dennis, where do we go from here? You mentioned the uh, the, the, the new uh, website, the digital element of the meeting will be one of the first things to be rolled out. Uh, what other steps are we looking forward to? What other timelines are we looking forward to following the APEC meeting? As you mentioned, it's, these things are non-binding, but in good faith, people want to see progress made. Right. Well, uh, one of the things that came out of the, the leaders' meeting was a, was a new vision for APEC. Uh, it's called the Putra-Dryer Vision 2040. Hmm. So they, that, if you look at that vision statement, which is already out on the website, they, they do mention that they will continue to build on what they've done, with what we do best, basically look, promoting trade and investment, economic kind of cooperation, but also to address some of the emerging challenges that, that's going on right now and that will continue over the next 10 years. And one of them is looking at uh, pandemics as well as other types of emergencies because uh, there will be other pandemics uh, coming up in the, next, in, in the future. This is not going to be the only one. So we need to prepare ourselves for future pandemics and other types of external shocks. 
And I think one of the things that probably is important to stress, and that's in our report, is that you know, we've got, what, nine, ten months uh, since the uh, outbreak of the pandemic, and we're beginning to see the impact it's had on society. Yeah. And it's affecting different segments of society differently. There's impact on, for example, the women, on, on uh, the young, mm. uh, on the elderly. It's much more severe, for example, than, uh, and, than, other, than other segments of society. So we've been doing quite a big analysis of the kind of work that's been done there. And I think it's uh, in that report also kind of mentions that it's exacerbated some of the pre-existing challenges that APEC faces, including income inequality, mm. uh, environmental degradation, as well as the digital divide, because you know, the poor don't have access to digital tools or infrastructure as much as the, the middle class. So what needs to be done in terms of helping them in terms of reskilling, getting access to digital tools? So these are some of the things that you know, we'll, we'll have to do quite soon. Yeah. Dennis, in recent years, we've, we've definitely seen many nations uh, go more toward a, a, a cl- an inward-looking posture, inward-looking stance, more toward a nationalism, a nationalistic type agenda, if you will, broadly speaking. Do you sense that, that COVID-19 and others have and, – and the economic challenges faced have started to open up, put some, put some cracks in that and open up people's thinking to – thinking more bilaterally at this point in time? Or are we still kind of in an inward-looking phase for many countries? Well, we, we know that uh, there's been concerns of rising trade protectionism over the last two years. So trade was actually underperforming even before the pandemic. So I think one of the things that we, we, we're kind of hoping, uh, partly because of the impact of the pandemic, is that uh, we're seeing a reduction of these types of trade restrictive measures. And if it, some of our studies are beginning to see that, particularly we're seeing uh, more trade facilitating measures, particularly in essential medical goods, so we're beginning to see some early signs that uh, there's less trade protectionism as we move forward. Uh, and I think what, what uh, the emphasis really is that economies need to think regionally as well, not just protecting your own economies. Because if you protect your own economy and not the, the, the rest, then, you know, who are you going to export to, right? Even if you're healthy and you're, you're well, but if your neighbors are sick, then there's, there's no demand for your exports. So we're yeah. all in this together. Yeah. We had a question from Mike Ang, one of our uh, Facebook Live uh, viewers. Uh, the question, I'm not sure if, if it's one you want to discuss at all, but why is the recession not uh, drastically affecting stock markets uh, around the world as we see them? They seem to still retain some some buoyancy. Are these types of issues discussed at all in the APEC meetings? Uh, it, it is mentioned in our report. I think, it, well, personally, it's, it's a worrying sign. There's a bit of a disconnect between uh, particularly the stock markets and the real economy. That's by right, the stock markets are meant to reflect the state of the uh, economy. I mean, one of the reasons why you're also seeing a rise in the stock markets is par- partly because of uh, a very low interest rate uh, regime in many economies. There's excess liquidity in the market. Mm. Uh, but to me, this is a wor- these are worrying signs because it can lead to concerns of uh, um, stock market volatilities and other things. So I think I, I know central banks and monetary authorities as well as regulators are looking very carefully at this. Yeah. Dennis, your APEC regional trends analysis is out. Um, one of your flagship reports, uh, you've been referencing part of it uh, today during our conversation. If people want to have a, a closer look at that, is it easy for, for anyone to, to find and to read through? Absolutely. I mean, if you go into the APEC website, uh, into, in, under publications, our recent publications, you'll see it right there. We also have an APEC in chart, which is also useful to look. It's kind of a visual snapshot or where APEC stands in, in everything, from tariffs to... We've got some interesting indicators looking at the impact of the, 
of the pandemic as well. So let's take a look at that if, uh, if uh, everyone, if you have that uh, on our website. Excellent. Dr. Dennis Hugh, Director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. Thanks so much uh, once again for being with us on you, Money FM. Great to have you on and hope to have you on again soon. Thank you. Bye now. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.